Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Welcome to Let's Get Two, the baseball podcast from the fans' perspective. Now here's your host, James Christopher. Welcome back to Let's Get To. We have a packed episode. We're going to be joined by Sugarland Skeeters general manager Tyler Stamm as they look to repeat as the Atlantic League champions. We're going to talk to Larry Ward, the voice of the Chattanooga Lookouts. And I had a really big baseball day. And I want to start off by talking about one of the most cool, Herculean things that I've done in my life. And I did it returning home as I thought I would, the conquering hero. And I'm not sure that that my wife, for example, has ever been more proud of the feat that I pulled off. You know, I thought back about all the things that I've done, my military career, the many film festival awards we've won, getting our films distribution, the film festival that I run being named one of Movie Maker Magazine's top 50, but no. None of that equals what I pulled off on Holy Thursday, the day before Good Friday. Three baseball games in three different cities, in two different states, in one day. And so sit back, relax, and marvel at my tale of conquest. So it started by flying into Atlanta late Wednesday night. But of course, with the time change, I was still kind of wired. And this weird combination of being an hour ahead of my normal schedule, but the Astros playing on the West Coast meant something like an 11 o'clock first pitch. But I couldn't sleep, so I ended up watching the entire game. Then I wake up the next morning, and I head down to see the Gwinnett Stripers, the AAA affiliate of the Atlanta Braves. We had their interview uh, about a week ago on Let's Get To with their general manager. Had a really, really great time. It was a 10 o'clock first pitch, something like that. And so the park wasn't empty because they had the bright idea of bringing a bunch of school kids in. And so you had just a, a, a pretty good atmosphere, honestly, for a 10 o'clock first pitch. Had a great time at the game. It's a new park. Uh, cool Ray Field's relatively new, really, really clean, really, really fresh. Didn't get to try any of their beer selections because it's 10 in the morning and not everybody's a Texan, if you know what I'm saying, Georgia. But really, really dug it. I did, I did hear for, the, for, for, I think, the first time the Baby Shark song. And I watched about a thousand school kids go crazy for it. So clearly it's a thing. But I was able to watch a couple of innings. Had a chili cheese dog for breakfast. Not the normal breakfast of champions I try to have, but, um, you know, when in Rome, as they say. So I was able to stay, and, and I really wanted to get down to SunTrust Park to see the Braves. And I got to be honest. Much like when Hercules had to clean the stables of whatever they are, I realized that I could... uh Look it up on the internet, but I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a flow. You know what I mean? And I don't want to, I'm not going to let the vibe be ruined by in the name of historical accuracy or mythical accuracy, I guess. But I'm going to be honest, the traffic was ridiculous. 
Um, you know, I grew up, I grew up in Houston. I live in Austin. I've never seen traffic like that. And the parking situation around SunTrust Park is a little ridiculous. All the lots anywhere near it are either contract lots or for other businesses that don't let any Braves parking happening. So I really was considering knowing when I'd been licked and deciding that I was going to just keep on moving to the next destination. But I'm so glad I didn't. Got into SunTrust Park and it's gorgeous. From the batter's eye that's got pine trees in it to their Hall of Fame with, you know, remnants of brave successes from the 90s to Hank Aaron to when they were playing in Boston. It was just impressive. We've got some photos on the website that you can check out. But I really did. I loved everything about it. You know, I loved the the area around the park, even the bars and the really cool like baseball screens. Like it's a baseball with screens wrapped around it hanging in the middle of this stuff outside the park. So that way the game is always on. It, it really, and I know a couple of teams do this. I know that they guess the Cardinals have something similar. I'll find out this summer. But it really felt like a step towards minor league baseball where making, attending the game just as cool as watching the game, you know, if you don't want to be stuck to your seats the whole time. So really, really dug all of that. Diamondbacks ended up winning. Diamondback, the Diamondback uniform still perplex me because they basically look like the umpires. Like sometimes if you don't forget who you're watching, you think there's like 13 umpires out on the field. It's weird. But no, I was really, really impressed with SunTrust Park. And, you know, I, and, and I'm going to be honest, like I walked in uh, to, you know, to a pro shop and I wasn't going to buy anything. When I go to minor league games, I, I buy, I buy, you know, something from every team that I visit. I don't do that with the majors in part because particularly something like the Braves, I don't think they deserve any of my money after basically ruining my high school years. But I also don't want to send mixed messages on loyalty. You know, I have a Padre shirt, but that was necessity because it was freezing when we went to Petco last year. It was cool to walk in and get greeted by a worker there and really made it feel welcome at a level that. I was surprised at considering how packed it was, how packed the store was, but the guy took the time to really like find out who I was and what I was interested in. So super cool, but I wasn't able to stay for the whole game because I needed to get to Chattanooga. And so I loaded in the car and that traffic, you know, when I left, I had about, it said I had two hours to get to Chattanooga and in two and a half hours, I had an interview that's in this episode with Larry Ward, the voice of the Chattanooga Lookouts. And, I, and he was making time for me, and I really wanted to make sure I got there. The traffic was so bad that I think I walked up with, and I was like five minutes late. And so, I, you know, and those of you who know me, my military stuff, nothing comes out more army gym than my desire to be on time and punctual. I cannot stand being late. I can't stand it when people are waiting for me. So I felt horrified. But I walked in, and the cool thing about Chattanooga was the greeting, um, from the press pass to sitting down with Larry and doing, so far, the coolest interview, particularly the coolest from the Bleachers interview we've done, because we're doing it from the press box, like overlooking the field. You know, it's this older stadium, but there's a certain real minor league vibe to it. And after the interview, I checked out the stadium, went down on the field to watch batting practice, Tried to, but could not get up the nerve to talk to Danny Darwin, who 
was you know an, one of the first Astros I remember watching in the 80s. And then I saw Adam Everett down there doing his thing for the Braves. And so it was all really cool. But there's always this weird thing for me where am I a fan? Am I media? Can I be both? If I have to only be one, which do I pick? But really, really enjoyed Chattanooga. And so got a chance to look around Chattanooga and just beautiful, beautiful small town. And, you know, really, really had an Austin vibe to it, but obviously much smaller, but just gorgeous. Then I go to the game. Third, again, beginning of the third game that I got to see. When the flag plays, when the anthem plays, I, I don't put my hand over my heart. I render a hand salute. And so the third park of the day that I did that in. There was something about being in Chattanooga and something about being at the Lookouts game that really felt like being at home in a way. For those of you who know me would be surprised that I'm actually pretty kind of socially awkward with people I don't know really, really well. When I know you really, really well, I know that I'm often a little uh, TMI about stuff. But I, you know, I had a press pass, so I didn't really have an assigned seat. So when the game started, I kind of sat down around home plate. I was just chatting with people, talking about baseball and stuff. And this couple came up. And this is my my shout out to Tom and Marion Griscom. And I was in their seats. And I was, you know, obviously apologized, got up, sat behind them. Anytime I see, you know, an older couple at a baseball game, I think about my wife and I and where we're going to be. And, and it, it's kind of like, you know, relationship goals. So I start chatting them up and I was like, hey, do you guys come here a lot? And they were like, yeah, you see the names on the back of the chairs. And of course, it's theirs. <laughs> So we got to chatting, and it was just really, really awesome. They're, they are on a trek to see all the Major League stadiums, and they pointed out that Angle Field was next. And I was like, what's Angle Field? And they explained to me that it's not only where 42 was shot, or a lot of the movie 42 was shot, but some of the old-time great—I mean, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig played there. So hung out till about the 5th or 6th. Got to listen to Larry call the game and then went down to Angle Field and checked it out. And it was just this like cool relic old ballpark that I wish was still open. But really just that whole experience in Chattanooga was very, very minor league baseball. And I mean that in the absolute best way possible. It was so much fun. The people were so warm and welcoming. Dan Kampf, my point of contact for the lookouts, really did his best to take care of me and really made sure I was taken care of. And, and it was just it was just a great experience. I uh, had a wedding the next day, so I had to drive back. I guess I rolled into the hotel around midnight. Was on a plane at, at 5 or 6 the next morning, but really was great. And it's weird because I contemplate that I love the idea that I was able to do it. And I did three in one day. I do wish that, and I wonder if I'll, if I'll take a different strategy of... Not doing three in one day, but really keeping it to one a day so I can experience the community as well. Because one thing being in Chattanooga taught me um, is that the community is so important to minor league baseball. Uh, as you'll hear from Larry in our interview, how much he is a part of the community and the community is part of him. Talking to the Griscoms about what to go look at and just talking baseball. It really was a beautiful experience and something that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. I'm going to use to guide this podcast going forward and just awesome. And I'm glad I did it. And it's got me really looking forward to because I'm, I'm leaving just like when I recorded last week's episode, I'm recording this on a Tuesday night because tomorrow night I'll be flying to Fort Myers beach for the Fort Myers beach international film festival. My Christmas film, a chance of snow is playing there. 
And while I'm there, I'm going to go see the Tampa Tarpons and I'm going to go see the Fort Myers Miracle twice, which we've could we in, in of course the, the miracle we had on our show last week. So Chattanooga, Gwinnett, and Atlanta, but to particularly to Chattanooga and particularly to Gwinnett, you know, thanks for taking care of me. Thanks for welcoming me. Thank you for you know letting me shoot all the video I needed and get all the interviews I wanted because it really, really was one of the best experiences so far on the journey of this podcast. And to talk a little bit about how the podcast comes about, obviously this podcast doesn't exist if I don't love baseball. And so then talking about why I love baseball, and then it was brought to my attention that this week, Field of Dreams is turning 30. Those of you might remember that, you know, Field of Dreams was my number two baseball movie of all time. We discussed it in the very first episode of our podcast. And I I think it's such a touching movie and such a great, a great connection to what's really special about baseball. And that's about relationships, like I said. I'm going to try to ignore the fact that it's 30, which means it came out when I was 13, so you can all do the math, but happy birthday to Field of Dreams, and I know a lot of teams will have Field of Dreams nights to kind of reflect back on what the movie means. So on April 27th, the Round Rock Express will be celebrating Field of Dreams by having Field of Dreams night. Dwyer Brown, who plays John Gonsella, Ray's dad, will be on hand. And then at the end of the season, and we'll talk a little bit more as we get there, the Portland Sea Dogs will be having their own Field of Dreams night. And if you remember our interview with Mike Antonellis, you know that they really do it upright. So really, really recommend checking out and seeing if a team near you is doing Field of Dreams night. And, you know, if not, take a, take, take a couple hours and rewatch that movie because it really, really does hold up. But speaking of baseball movies, Jessica and I saw Brampton's own which is a very independent baseball movie from 2018. And when I mean independent, I mean independent, very, very low budget, but really delivers on the heart, really delivers on feeling like the important part of what baseball, what makes baseball baseball and how deep that love really does run with this sport, which I think is unique to a lot of other sports, particularly that we play here in America. I don't know what people, how people feel about soccer because I don't care. No offense to my soccer fans, friends out there. I'm sure I have a few. But also, you know, it's, it's got some names that you recognize. Gene Smart's great in the movie. So it's on Netflix. It's on Amazon Prime. Brampton's own. Highly, highly recommend it. It's it's about 90 minutes, and Jessica and I just had a great time watching it, and it really does, it really does talk about that complicated love for the game of baseball. So I hope you stick with it. Like I said, Skeeter's GM, Tyler Stamm, is coming up. We're going to hear from Larry Ward, and we've got a whole bunch of other fun baseball goodies to come. From the bleachers, the Let's Get To Game of the Week. So as a baseball podcast, we are always evolving. And yes, we do have a From the Bleachers segment today, but we're not going to do it from the bleachers. We're doing it from the booth. We're pretty excited because the Chattanooga Lookouts last week, got us the opportunity to sit down with Larry Ward. Larry's been the voice of the Lookouts for the last 31 seasons and has had a career calling minor league baseball games since the 1970s. So it was really cool for me to go into the broadcast booth overlooking 18T Field and sit down and talk a little baseball with him. So, Larry, thanks so much for joining. Let's get to you. My pleasure. My pleasure. So you are the the, fo- the voice of the Chattanooga Lookouts. Chattanooga Lookouts. That's, that's right. Uh, this is... 
Ye, the 31st consecutive year. The 31st consecutive 31st. year. And have you only been broadcasting for the Lookouts, or is this how long? No, I started. Uh, I started part time in 1978. Okay. Uh, did some Portland Beavers, then was hired full time, and assigned to Tucson. Okay. Did the Toros for two years. Um, left the PCL. Um, ownership wanted some changes, mm-hmm. and we went to uh, Jacksonville. I went to Jacksonville, to Jacksonville for two, three out of four years there, and then uh, came to Chattanooga uh, because the general manager was a friend of mine. And okay. Jacksonville was finished. We were finished there. New ownership came to Jacksonville. And then left uh, after 85, about August of 85, as a matter of fact, and went back to college sports during the Citadel. It was a little burnt out. Okay. And then uh, I get a call in 1989 from the same GM saying, I need help. I had to fire my radio guy, and I'm going, what? Right. So what what was intended to be for the summer turned out to be full-time. Full-time. And then uh, since then, uh, three different owners... Uh, six different GMs, uh, four or five media relations guys. Later, wow, you know, and a lot of a lot of faces. Uh, we're still here. I'm from Oregon originally, okay. and uh, Eastern Oregon. Grew up on a ranch, cattle, uh, grain, okay. uh, crops. Uh, get, fell into the radio business by accident. I was in retail, uh, selling shoes, as a matter of fact. Okay, and fell into the business by accident. Uh, had an opportunity on, on a daytime station, had an opportunity to do a Little League tournament after selling all the advertising. Went out to do a Little League tournament. I, went, I finally discovered what I wanted to do in the radio business, and that was play-by-play. And um, one thing led to another. Next thing I know, I'm in McMinnville, Oregon, sports director six years. Mm-hmm. Tried to buy the station. They wouldn't sell. Got involved with uh, the Chevy dealership handling all of his advertising, TV, radio, Newspaper, the whole nine yards, and then did part time with the Portland Beavers, and one thing led to another, and the, the baseball career was uh, inevitably born, right. if you will. It's cool. My daughter's actually she lives in Tillamook. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. She, yeah. My folks live north of there, Nahalem. Okay, okay. I know exactly years. what that yeah. is. Very cool. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I grew up. I grew up in Houston. I was in, in practically at the Astrodome in like Milo Hamilton, the voice of my childhood. Right, right. Were there any voices that kind of influenced you, bringing you to where? Well, you know, it's funny you say this. I was just talking to an intern yesterday, mm-hmm. and or a shadower yesterday, and he they asked me how I got into this. So I go with. I've had a refresher course <laughs> before you came on, but. Uh, no, it was it was one of those things where right place at right time, mm-hmm. um, and what I wanted to do was play by play. So it, it it I did not know that what I really wanted to do was be a history teacher and a baseball coach. Okay, that's what I wanted to do originally, and that got sidetracked uh, through many different avenues, mm-hmm. and I ended up in professional baseball, and then. I have done um, uh, some college sports along the way. I do women's basketball during the wintertime okay. here so for UTC. So, uh, you know, somebody said the other day, when are you going to retire? I said, well, I sort of am, and a lot of people accuse me of being retired for the last 15 years anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's not a cake job, but it's not... The intensity has changed a little bit. Yeah. I used to handle all of the travel and meal money and okay, yeah. clubhouse and bat boys. and I mean, there were a lot of things on my plate, plus 
selling advertising, mm-hmm. and then uh, new ownership, our, uh, the third new owner that we've had here, they made some changes, and we went a different route uh, with them, and, and it's worked out great. It's worked out great. And what is that process like? Because y'all changed owners. Have y'all changed classifications, too? Have y'all no, gone up or oh, gone no. up? So y'all stayed double They've always a, been double A. Double A the whole time. Uh, double A. It's... Uh, uh, up until 60 or 61, it was a Southern Association. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it became the Southern League, and the classifications all changed. Right. Uh, you know, because we used to have uh, A, B, C, D, and, and E ball, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, but and, and then you had, then you had, you also had double A, triple A. Uh, so uh, I don't know. I think the, the lower classifications of A ball were almost like town team ball. Mm hmm. Decades ago, uh, but but now uh, no, it's always been in the Southern League. So a lot of our audience, um, they're major league city people that live in major league cities, and right. part of the purpose of this podcast is to introduce them to what minor league baseball is. So, what do you think is special about minor league baseball compared to any of the thirty major league? Teams? I, you know, I think one of the great things you have an opportunity and a feel as a broadcaster, you have an opportunity to to broadcast the uh, playing of, of guys who, well, some of them one day will be in the Hall of Fame. Right. Uh, I've, I have been so, uh, I have been pleased that I have had that experience while with the Lookouts. And the, the latest one, uh, Edgar Martinez, soon to be, mm-hmm. uh, into the Hall of Fame. And, uh, and that was in 85 when they were the Seattle Mariners in Chattanooga. Right. Um, Trevor Hoffman, the year before, uh, in the early 90s when Jim Tracy was our manager. I'm an uh, Astros fan. From the ni- I know, know all about Mr. <laughs> Trevor Hoffman. So, <laughs> so you know, the, and, and, and then some guys that maybe didn't make it to the Hall of Fame but have had long careers in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. And I think minor league baseball, if you, if you are a fan of the game first, sure. first you have to understand and be a fan of the game, I think. Not, not a diehard, I own every card fan, but be a fan of the game of, uh, and take the game as it is. And, and don't get me wrong, I think the Major League guys are great because all the, some of these guys will get there. Mm-hmm. But you can watch and watch them learn. Once you, as long, it's almost 38 years I've been in professional baseball. When you watch a ball player learn, you begin to learn how to scout them. And, and it's scary when I go to a manager or another scout and say, hey, uh, this guy, this guy, they, you're spot on, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, it, and that's encouraging for me. I don't know that younger announcers do that. Right. Do they study it? Uh, this has been a lifelong study of the game of baseball for me. It's, you know, I think Vince Scully said, uh, you know, the game of baseball is like the game of life. Uh, yeah. You had the... The beginning in the first three innings, the middle midlife in their next three innings, and the end of your life at the, at the yeah. last three innings. Um, you know, and it really is. So you've stayed in Chattanooga for thirty-one years. What about what is it about this team and this community that kept you here? The community, first of all, you, this is a <laughs> this is a community like going back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, I I, I was I lived twenty-five miles from town uh, where I went to high school. But the people, the community, the, the that end of the county, Southern Wasco County, yeah. they're all you know everybody, pretty much, mm-hmm. or you're related to them, one or the other. Yeah, uh, you know. Um, so this community, while I'm not related, other than to my wife and my mother now lives here, 
um, and and a couple of uh, you know our daughter does not live here now, but uh, it's almost like your family with everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's such a great community. Uh, it's a, it's probably you know they call it the gig city. It's probably the friendly city right. that you need that people need to know about, and more and more people are finding out about it. It's the climate's four. You get four great seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the universities. You get you got a, a, the the community colleges. You've got the river. You've got mountains, hang gliding. I mean, you've got everything. Yeah, right here. You don't have to go to the big city to shop or or plays. We have theater. We have uh, symphony. Uh, it's just one of those places where pick what you enjoy doing. Right, and we have it. And I think that's the reason why we're still here. We're part of it. Well, driving through is a beautiful town. My first time being it's here. It's gorgeous. Well, and now you catch it as spring begins to bud. Right, right. I, I know at home today, I walked outside, um, uh, I think, to take out the garbage can to set it on the street. And I noticed the roses. In fact, by this afternoon, we had a beautiful rose uh, in bloom, full bloom. Right. So uh, I guess it's true what they say. Uh, spring brings the full bloom of roses. Uh-huh. Uh, but but it, it's just one of those things at this time of the year. Pollen's bad, but right. But everything starts to bloom and blossom and, and wake up, as mm-hmm. it were, compared to the uh, cooler winter months. Yeah, I mean, it's gorgeous. We would call this a Chamber it's of Commerce Day. Chamber of Commerce Day. Yeah, in, right. in Austin. And so, you know, one of my last couple questions. So, obviously, the lookouts, you don't know from year to year, really, who's on the team. Not really. You're at the mercy of the parent club. You're at, absolutely at the mercy, and and that sometimes throws you. Uh, of course, changing this year, mm-hmm. I had to learn players all over again. Although many of these guys were in Pensacola, sure. so that helped. The biggest help has been the manager Pat Kelly, pitching coach uh, Danny Darwin. I've known both of those guys for years. In fact, Danny was uh, pitching in 1979. On the Tucson Toros team, he was a starter. Danny Darwin. Danny here. Darwin, our pitching coach. He's here. And, yeah, he's here. And uh, Danny, like, used to pitch for the Astros. Double D, yeah, Doctor Death, yeah, pitched for the I'm, Astros. I'm sorry, I'm having a big fan moment yeah. right now. <laughs> Shame on you. You're Not, supposed to be a professional. I'm supposed to be a professional <laughs> journalist. And, uh, yeah, no, we let were, me tell you something though. I've done that before, and I'll go. No kidding. You know, I, I came of age learning like. 1986, that Astros team was the first team that I was like, oh, that's, right. my, that's my baseball team. Right. And he was part of that, that whole era. Yeah, so. he, uh, Weird. He's, he's a great guy. We, we, uh, uh, we had gone to a movie together. At that time, I was pretty close to the same age as a lot of the players mm-hmm. in 1979. And uh, we'd gone to a movie together, and I said, well, I'll see you in the morning. And uh, the next thing I know, he's gone. You didn't, and yeah. I didn't see him for 25 years until he was in Jacksonville and the pitching coach for, with the Dodgers. And then he was here with the Dodgers, left, and then and then of course in Pensacola, and then came back with the the Reds. Right. And Pat Kelly, we had as a manager in the 90s, 93 and 94. Wow. And I've run into Pat for a year. We've stayed in touch. Uh, families and everything uh, have been staying in touch. And of course, social media. Amplifies yeah, that now. absolutely. Uh, but and I will say um, the caveat is this is a fan based podcast. Okay, I'm a filmmaker. Oh, by this trade, is so. <laughs> trust me, <laughs> the fans will enjoy this. I, I hope uh, you know. And if you get a chance, I hope they'll tune in. Uh, you know, you can listen to any minor league game. In the I've country. already listened to a couple of your games. You do a great and, job. Uh, well, way. thank you. You're very kind. And uh, you know, hopefully they'll tune in. And and you know, uh, across the way there, Chris Harris. Has been at this for about 10, 12 years now, and mm-hmm. you know it's 
you don't have to get to the big leagues to love the game of baseball. Right. The money is better. There's <laughs> sure. no doubt. But if you're in it for the money, that's the wrong reason. Uh, you, you, you. I think because uh, Tommy Thrall, who did Pensacola last year, is this year with the Reds, which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the last year with Marty, and they're and and they're working. I had a chance to work with Marty and Joe Brennan, uh, Joe Knoxall, uh, uh, yeah. uh, years ago as well. Uh, when uh, Jordan was here, and the, they were on strike, and they came down for a weekend, and so it, it's you get to know all of these guys, sure. either either through acquaintance or, or what have you, and you come to find out they're just as in awe of what you do as you are in awe, awe right. of what they do. Um, some of them uh, barely worked in minor league baseball and have been professionals. Uh, Marty's now forty six years. He's, yeah. Didn't really retire. Uh, Vin was what 60, 61, 62 years. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of guys. The longevity factor for me is the fact that I've I, I I have my roots here now. Yeah, and and that's no different than if you live in Cincinnati or you live in Los Angeles or I wouldn't live in Los Angeles, but I would live in Cincinnati. <laughs> Who um, would right? You know. So although I've never been to Cincinnati, I've been across the border from Cincinnati, but uh-huh. I've never been in. In the town, so but, you know it's refreshing for you to say that as we kind of wrap up. But because, like I was saying before, like circling back, like growing up, you know, I don't know what my childhood would have been like not having Milo Hamilton make the call for the Astros. Right. And so it's nice to know that you're also as invested as the community as the community gets in you. That's and, and that's absolutely true. Our, our, our you know our daughter went to public school. My wife was a, a public school teacher. She's now retired. Our daughter is now a mom. Mm. Uh, we have a five-year-old uh, <laughs> grandson who wants to now play t-ball this summer. Very cool. So he's getting out of Spider-Man and into baseball. His dad played baseball, uh, injured his shoulder. Otherwise, he might have had uh, a pitching career. Uh, his dad played baseball, and now he's a state trooper after being in the Army. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, this is this is home. Tennessee is home, right. uh, if nothing else. But the I, the part of the one part of Tennessee that I really love and enjoy is right here in Chattanooga. It's it's beautiful. Thank you so much, Larry. For you being bet. On thank the show. you. So thank you again, Larry, for joining us. And like he was alluding to, every single minor league baseball radio call is available through the TuneIn Radio app and on milb.com. You can listen to home and away. So by all means, take the opportunity to listen to a little bit of baseball. Peek in for a couple of innings at another part of the country, and I promise you won't be disappointed. To the first 10,000 fans, the Let's Get To promotion of the week. All right, you muggles. So theme nights continue to dominate the promotional schedule of minor league baseball. We've got so many more coming up to talk about this year. Some of them getting a little bit more obscure. But what isn't obscure is the concept of Harry Potter night. Seems like lots of major league teams and minor league teams are doing it. And I, for one, again, think it's great because it's been the theme for this entire show. Anything that gets people out to the ballpark is a good thing. And what Harry Potter night and Star Wars night and Game of Thrones night and Princess night really starts to teach us is that The divide between liking sports and liking things that are quote-unquote geeky or nerdy 
is really, really blurred. And it certainly isn't the way it was when I was growing up. And I would, it would, I would be afraid to say I like Star Wars, right? Where you either like sports or you liked that nerdy stuff. So I think it's super cool. And, you know, the thing about it is, is, is for me, Harry Potter, I, I like Harry Potter fine. I enjoyed the movies. I saw them later in life. I did not read the books. I'm clearly not the age demographic that was meant to get into Harry Potter. But I love the fact that it is such a big deal. You know, as a teacher, I like the fact that it got kids reading. Alicia Rivetta, who we heard on the show a couple weeks ago, is a big Harry Potter fan. And so I kind of forward all this stuff to her when it, when it comes across it. So I love it. I love the fact that people are encouraged to come out and dress as their favorite houses. Teams are giving away wands. And the in-game entertainment really lends itself to follow up on the theme. So I think, you know, I think it's a lot of fun. And just another good example of minor league baseball embracing its role as an entertainment venue as much as it is a sports venue. And like I said, it's not hard to find a minor league team near you that is having Harry Potter night. Um, I, for one, will be at the Fort Myers Miracle this Saturday night. That's right. I'm going to go to two Miracle games in a row. So I will be at the Harry Potter night this Saturday night. The Wisconsin Timber Rattlers will be having their Wizardry night on June 21st. The Charlotte Knights are calling theirs Wands and Wizards night, and it's on June 29th. The Aberdeen Ironbirds will be having Harry Potter night on July 13th. And the Round Rock Express will be having Wizarding Nights on July 31st. So again, lots of opportunity to get out there and let your Gryffindor fly, you know, your Hufflepuff, maybe your Slytherin. And whichever one you are, uh, get out and enjoy it and, and take an opportunity to, one, enjoy baseball, enjoy everything that the ballpark has to offer, but also enjoy a little bit of face-to-face community with people that are into a thing you like. You know, we're, we live in a weird, here's my old, my old man tangent. We live in a weird environment today where we do get a chance to express ourselves and talk about the things that we like. We like movies, we like, you know, video games or what have you. But most of the time we're doing it in an online forum and it, it takes on a real hostile tone sometimes where you either like it or you don't, or you like it the same way or you don't. I think it's really good to build community in our world in any way possible. And if that means going to a ballpark and hanging out with other Gryffindors, Slytherins, or Hufflepuffs, then do it. And so if it means going to a ballpark and getting to enjoy the ballpark and then hanging out with other Gryffindors or Ravenclaws or Slytherins or Hufflepuffs, then do it. Enjoy yourself. Have a good time and and, and don't worry about Take some time to be uninhibited in this thing that you love. And so, again, not hard to find a team near you that's doing it. A lot of major league teams do it. We're going to put links to the to the teams we already mentioned. Go to, go to MILB.com. And one, one, one thing I do wish, I do wish MILB.com would organize all of the theme nights for all the teams better instead of having to hunt from team to team. But look, you live within driving distance of a minor league team, and there's a really good chance they're going to be doing something that's going to want to draw you out in addition to seeing really, really good baseball. Stuff about baseball my dad hates. And now we're back with my brother Tim for another episode of Grumpy Old Man Hourly. I'm sorry, things my dad hates about baseball. (laughs) This week... We're going to attack, or we're not. We are going not to, going to attack. I actually love these, but my dad's going to attack the throwback uniforms. 
He doesn't like them. He thinks that the uniforms had changed for a reason, and if we keep sure, the, we should keep the modern look going. He also hates alternative uniforms. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, which I think doves back to the discussion of the colored bats from from last week. Um, he got a little touchy because I was like, "Oh yeah, what about what about uniforms on Memorial Day?" And he's like, "Well, I I guess those are okay." Yeah, I don't understand this. Maybe. Uh, nothing's nothing makes me happier than sun than tequila sunrise jerseys um, when we get to see them play. I think the like, uniforms for all teams are awesome. I was, it was exciting to see how they come yeah. up and how they look now, and uh, because you know they're not all made of wool, so it's yeah. a little different. That uh, says that they should all be white at home and gray on the road, <laughs> and nothing else. And nothing else. And, and this kind of throws back to our dad not buying us anything but field ready equipment when we were kids. So the cutest thing about our dad. Is, you know, I'm in my 40s, Tim's in his 30s, and still when we go to a ball game with dad, um, it's so cute. We get to go to the pro shop and we get to pick out a, a, any hat we want, except it's not any hat we want. It's any hat you could wear on the field. It's, it's need be. Yeah, it's, so it's got to be an official game hat mm-hmm. uh, as if if they were ever like, hey, you in section 121, seat <laughs> row 14, seat three, we need a right hand. We need a righty. Get a, and you already have the hat. So you're ready to go. So, but he still does, and, and uh, he'll take us to the pro shop, and he will um, put the hat on our head to make sure it fits. We can't even like go to our. <laughs> it's honestly really cute and sweet, but it's just he means well. He means well, <laughs> and obviously, everything we say about dad's pretty tongue in cheek. We are going to have him on for our post Father's Day episode. I would like to point out um, that when I got us our tickets for Father's Day, um, that you had the option to get a replica jersey. Uh, and I'm a father, and of course my dad's a father, and I did not get him one. I got myself one uh, because he doesn't like alternative journeys. Right, so. So. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> go, go, Astro. go, go, Astros! A focus on H-Town Hardball. So we are we're glad to welcome back to the show Larry, the GM, on our new Go Go Astros segment. And Larry, it's been uh, seven games. We've had a bit of a rough stretch. What are your thoughts on the starting pitching where that is and, and, and what do you think needs to happen or does anything need to happen? All right. So we're 22 games in. I'm, I'm actually thinking about James Rott writing an article called the first furlong of the season. So the furlong is one eighth of a mile. Sure. So one, one eighth of the way through the season. So let's call it the, the, fir- the first furlong report, okay? Okay. And by the way, James, as just as we speak, the Astros are scoring a run. So just this is gonna this is gonna be t- turn out great for them. So do we do we need to stay on the phone for about another two and a half more hours? <laughs> Something, right? We're willing right, to well, do it. Let's, let's let's break it down. So the Astros are thirteen and nine. Now, James, when the when the Astros won the World Series in twenty seventeen. Okay. What were they after? Four, what were they after? Twenty-two games. I think they were fourteen and eight. Is that right? They were fourteen and eight. Yeah. So we are one game worse than they were in twenty seventeen, and we're two games worse than they were in twenty eighteen. So you know, it, it it it's not like, oh my gosh. And if you would if you listen to Astros Twitter, you or read Astros Twitter, you think it was a disaster. Um, and, and, you know, sell, sell all the players because, you know, they're not performing. <laughs> so, so let, and, and the, the Astros are, are actually the offense is, is really pretty good. I mean, let's, let's, let's work through, and I usually, if I'm going to look at one stat, 
I, I usually use OPS, all right, sure. or or WRC plus. But OPS is something most people know. So Bregman has a 973, Altuve has a 933, Springer has a 920, Marisnik, I'm sorry, Reddick has an 879. But that is just incredible. I, I would have never guessed Reddick would have an 879. That's the story of the season so far, offensively, <laughs> in my opinion. Right, exactly. Brantley, 878. And the other story of the season, a positive story of the season, Marisnik, 854. If Marisnik can give you 854, then then you're 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 gonna be really happy. Torre, 843. Torino's 845. And that's the other like, wh- where has this guy been? We'll, we'll talk more about catching situation, but Torino's at 845. I mean, th- that's. You know how many players am I deep? Uh, that, that's seven or eight players into the lineup, and right. you haven't you have no player below eight hundred OPS. That's that's an offense. That's a juggernaut similar to what we had in twenty seventeen offensively. So so what is why are the Astros not you know if they're that good offensively? What's what's the challenge? And, and you you went right to it. It's it's some of the starting pitching, right? Sure. So. Of the five starting pitchers, who, which one has the highest ERA? I would guess Cole. Cole. Uh, which, which pitcher are you the least worried about this season? Tied for Cole and Verlander. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it'd be I would even I would even say I'm least worried about Cole because he's younger than Verlander, right? So sure. If, if I had to bank on one pitcher having a good season, I, you know, I have I have a hundred dollars and I'm going to bet on one pitcher having a good season. It's going to be Garrett Cole. And, and so I'm, and and so, I don't. I'm not sure if you know what a FIP is. But FIP is a is the field in, fielding independent pitching, right? And it's it's actually a predictor of future ERA better than the ERA statistic is. Garrett Cole's FIP is 279. Oh his wow. ERA is, his ERA is 522. So am I worried about Garrett Cole? I am not worried about Garrett Cole. So. So, you know, the Astros pitching, you know, I, I think the realities of it is we have two stud pitchers. We have three pretty good pitchers. And we have pitchers that we're waiting to see them be show that they're ready in the minor leagues. Right. Force Whitley, Bukakis. Force Whitley. Uh, I, also, just so you know, Force Whitley has that same sort of split of his ERA and his FIP as well in AAA. So he's he's actually pitching better than his ERA, um, as well. And so then you have you have a couple guys in the bullpen. That, you know, I, I think you have to wonder. You know, is Josh James? Do we do? Does he need a a chance to go down and? And look, you know, but Josh Daines is a seven eleven ER seven point one one ERA, sure, and a five sixty three FIP, so it's not quite as bad uh, as, as a DRA. And but he's looked, you know, one of the, I think the challenges I have with with uh, both um, Valdez, Goodwan, and James, they're walking way too many people. Their 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 walks are all in the range of six for nine innings uh, up and up from there for Valdez and Tijuan. So we need to find somebody that doesn't want to walk. <laughs> we need some, 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 for them to work on their control. So 
so that's the that's the Larry the GM diagnosis. Like, okay, maybe maybe you send James down, get have him to work on control, um, and 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 be patient relative to the other pitchers, and then be on the lookout for for you know what when Force Whitley's really really ready. It does um, seem like Force Whitley coming up creates a shift because then either Miley or Peacock are back to the bullpen, which then makes the bullpen stronger, in my opinion. Because you're right, Valdez and James walk too many people to be bullpen arms. Right, exactly. So you know, I think I think Peacock from the bullpen is is really where where I want. Let's say it this way, James: when they hit the postseason, Peacock's going to be in the bullpen, right? And 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 we're going to have one of the young arms. I'm going to bank on it being Whitley, but it's going to be Whitley or, or one of the other young arms that are going to come up here and, and be the, the third or fourth starter in the, in the postseason. And and that's just the way it's going to be. And so... But according to Astros' um, Twitter, we're not going to the postseason. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are going to win the American League West. I don't care what Seattle's record is. Seattle has well, to play the Astros 18 times. Well, and, but, times. but to that point, and, and you know, one of the things that I was trying to explain to some folks that I do know that one of the, one of the early storylines coming in in some of these MLB predictors was that the strength of schedule the Astros had for their first month was the hardest of any potential contender. And in fact... Uh, I looked it up today. They have the second hardest strength of schedule. Seattle has the twenty seventh, and we've seen that yeah, every time. Every time Seattle plays somebody that's any good, they lose. It's a hundred percent of the time. Right. Well, then that's exactly what I wrote in my last article on Texas Sports Review. Right. And then that, I wrote that article as the Astros were starting the series with Seattle, and I said Seattle was. The Astros' record is real, and Seattle's is not, and that, and that was exactly the point. Seattle had played a bunch of crummy teams, and and and, the, and they had played Boston in a period of time that I mean, Boston's a great team or should be a great team. They just been, they, if you think the Astros have had challenges with pitching, Boston has just just been having a horrendous time with their pitching. Right. So, so you know, Seattle's record is a mirage, and 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 when, like you said, whenever they play somebody decent, they're gonna they're gonna lose. And and I'm not worried about Seattle, and I'm not really worried about the other teams in Mercury West. I'm not worried about Texas or, or anybody else. So um, it's gonna be all right. Astros Twitter, it's gonna be all right. James's radio, or James's uh, <laughs> podcast audience, it's gonna be okay. You heard it here first. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I appreciate. Uh, yeah, it, it's definitely why we wanted to have you on the show, and I want to keep having you on every couple of weeks, just kind of cycling through a couple of different people because I think you bring a great perspective. I, importantly enough, you bring that more intellectual baseball perspective than even I have. I, I'm the idea that you threw out. What was that stat again? The other ERA stat. The, the field FIP field, fielding independent pitching. Got it. Okay. Um, and yeah. that's a, it's actually a better predictor of future ERA. So, um, you know, I know, I think that you had them winning what 102 games at the beginning of the season. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with they're going to win. They're going to win a lot of games. They're going to win more than 100. Let's just let's just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, and I think the other thing too, and I know that projections are projections, and that's all fine. But there's a reason why they're still the overwhelming favorite to win the World Series at all three major, you know. Fangraphs 538 and uh, baseball prospectus. So 
I think we can't get emotionally involved in a team, like you said, that's ran an eighth of a mile. Right. Exactly. Jeff Luno and catcher. Okay. So Jeff Luno has a choice in this off season. And, and he, the, the, the Miami Marlins want, want him to trade for Riamulto with a, demanding a King's ransom for him. Ramos wants a whole lot of money and Grandal wants a whole lot of money. And, and he goes and gets Chirinos. That uh, uh, those four players, Grandal's having a, an extremely hot start of the season. I won't take that away. But between Chirinos, Riamulto, and Ramos, who, who's having the best? Who's having the best catching season of those three? Oh, Chirinos for sure. Chirinos, right? And 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 if you and then folks, I would invite you guys to, to find article or find interviews where Chirinos has talked about what the pitching staff. Uh, I'm sorry, but the coaching staff has done for him to make him the player he is right now. They, they've worked with him. He's got a, a, a catching manager, and they've done he, – he, he gives them credit for them doing certain things to make him even a better catcher and a better batter this year. So, you know, it's just – it, it, it's just really fascinating to hear – it's really fascinating to hear him give the coaching staff credit for some of the things they've done and pay out. Now, will Torino's bat 845 all season? Probably not. But but if he bats north of 700, then – get you about then, 20, 25 home runs. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's going to be just fine. Now, the backup catcher – That was my next question, backup catcher. So I I think I think we I think let's go ahead and put, let's put ourselves on the on the Garrett Stubbs watch. Okay? Cuz Stubbs is doing pretty good in AAA and he he will be coming. This will be the year that Stubbs will be up in, in the Astros and they they will make a decision right this Stassi and and I hope they're able to I actually hope that, that for Stassi's sake, for Kemp's sake, and, and Tyler White's sake, that they're able to put them in a trade. Let let's let's trade Stassi and 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 Tyler White when we have when we have uh, Alvarez ready to come or or Tucker ready to come up. Let's let's trade them for the next Jordan Alvarez. Let's let's trade the the the, the good bench players for the next future um, stud prospect. And, yeah, and see what we can get. because mentioning Alvarez again, he, he I think everybody thought that three home run game he had a couple of weeks ago was an aberration. And in fact, it was just the beginning. Yeah, he. I'm I'm not sure I even know how to read AAA home run stats right now because they're they you know they're they're just so high, but. If if Jordan Alvarez is going to be the player he is in AAA, and, and you know he's just he's going to force the Astros to do something with with him in, in AAA because he's is uh, people don't know he is just tearing up round rock. Um, yeah, he's the AAA. first one, he's the first one in the minors to ten home runs, which he hit uh, yesterday, I think. So, and you're the you're the uh, you're the minor league champ, so. <laughs> So hey, by the way, James, we're we're actually going to be in Austin this weekend. Hope to go. I hope to go see see the uh, Round Rock Express. So. Well, you should try to get out to Friday night. They're doing uh, the guy from Field of Dreams that plays uh, John Kinsella will be out there. So that could be kind of cool. 
Yeah. So, all right. Well, so Astros fans, do not fret. Do not worry. They, your team is still the best team in the in, in Major League Baseball. Absolutely. All right, Larry. We'll talk to you in a few weeks. Thanks for coming on. The Let's Get To Interview of the Week, brought to you by Fine Line Sportswear. So we actually had Tyler Stam on the show a couple weeks ago to talk a little bit about the partnership between the MLB and the Atlantic League. But now we're officially excited to welcome Tyler Stam, the general manager of the Sugarland Skeeters, to the show. Tyler, thanks for joining us on Let's Get To. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, and let me just first start by saying congratulations on another championship. Last year you guys won, so congrats. Thanks so much. Yeah, I mean, it's been uh, it's been crazy. We had first-time manager in here, Pete Incavilia, um, and he's obviously well-known um, for anybody that knows baseball. Um, had a great collegiate career and skipped the minor leagues, went straight to the majors, and he ended up in Laredo for a while and um, came to Sugarland last year, his first year, and just, man, he's all about winning. That's all he really cares about. Yeah, we're gonna. I was gonna ask about Pete in a minute because uh, it's funny because Pete came up in our first episode when we were talking about how he used to hit so hard that he made the aluminum bat in college so dangerous. And then I, of course, growing up a Stroh's fan, remember Pete when he played there. So, but first, just about you, like, how did you get into baseball, and and how did you end up being the GM of the Skeeters? So um, I actually went to A and M, um, and I went my first two years. I was going pre med. Um, thought I wanted to be a doctor. I don't know why. Um, just thought that's where I was going. Um, one of my buddies actually said, "Hey, there's a, a sport management major, and you can take classes on you know Major League Baseball, um, the NHL, stuff like that." And so I looked into it, and I was like, "Man, this is this is awesome." So I switched, um, you know, against my parents' uh, better. Um, judgment. Um, they were not too happy that I was going to go work in baseball. Um, or I didn't know I was going to be in baseball at the time and um, basically went through my classes, had to do an internship. I actually interned with the Skeeters um, and that started in May of 2012. Um, so now here we are almost seven years later, um, lots of hard work and sweat and um, I, guess, I guess it just happened. Independent baseball is kind of the best kept secret in the U.S. right now. Can you explain to the audience like the difference between an independent team and a team like affiliated with a major league club? I, I guess the biggest thing is obviously we are not affiliated with any uh, minor league or major league system at all. Um, so any one of our guys can get signed at any time by the Yankees, the Rangers, the Astros, whoever. Um, so we're almost the way I describe it to people is kind of like a rehab league almost. These guys have talent. Um, we had 15 guys last year that were signed away from us. Um, so really the goal is obviously we want to do well here, but we really want to get these guys back into affiliated baseball or to the major leagues. Uh, we actually had a guy in, in 2012 or 13, I forget the year exactly, the years are running together a bit, named Ryan Langerhans. Um, he actually on a Saturday night, he was starting for the Skeeters here in Sugarland. Uh, the next day in, on Sunday, he was starting for the Blue Jays in Toronto. Um, so it was kind of kind of crazy, but that that kind of speaks to the talent that's in this league. These guys, just for whatever reason, haven't um, latched on with the team for the upcoming season. You know, we've got James Loney this year, um, so like a well-known guy. Um, but you know, these guys, for whatever reason, just haven't latched on. So we're trying to get them back. So how do you find players then? There's a few different avenues. So a lot of our guys honestly reach out to us directly. Um, so like, for example, James Loney, I was actually just moved and I was unpacking some of my stuff in my new house and I get a call from a Las Vegas number 
um, and answered the phone. He said, hey, this is James Loney. Um, do you know who I am? I want to play for you all. You know, so it's stuff like that. Uh, we also do tryouts. The, the Atlantic League is actually hosting a tryout in Florida this year. Um, so we're actually – each team in our league is required to sign a guy um, from that tryout. Um, we'll have our own tryouts here in Sugarland. Um, but But, again, most of it is probably – people calling us uh, and players agents calling us you know I get emails every day from from agents looking to get their guys signed do you know if you if you have any space for an over 43 army veteran with bad knees okay never mind um really no there's no such thing as age in indie ball which is the coolest thing about it um you know like in 2012 we had Roger Clemens here he was 50 years old and granted Roger Clemens is a name right but um we're not afraid of the the 50 year olds I think we just signed Mark Lowe um actually yesterday I think he's 34 35 I mean he's getting up there um and we're not it's not a really big concern for us so maybe yeah, you know, I, I might be working on it. I'll, I'll drop about 50, 50 lbs. I'm not really in fighting shape anymore. Pete'll Pete'll whip you into shape. That's right. Well, you know, and speaking of Pete, and then I know that the previous manager was Gary Gaetti. So is that a priority to bring in MLB names, sort of behind, like in managerial positions? So I don't think so. It just has kind of worked out like that. Um, you know, Gary, we we had a lot of candidates uh, when we were starting the team, um, and Gary, you know, happened to have the biggest, I guess, name um, in, in the baseball world. But what we love the most about him is that he interacted with people very well. Uh, that's really our, our mantra here is being indie ball. Um, we fully expect our managers or our players to be involved with the fans. Pete's the same way. Um, he's never met a stranger. He'll sit there and, and talk to people after games and pick their brain, get to know their kids. Um, that's really important for us. So we're really looking for, I mean, it's just kind of a it just happened that way. Um, but again, we just like these really personable guys. That That's our goal, to connect with the community. So, you know, you guys play in the Atlantic League. You're the only team not on the Atlantic. How big of a stressor is that for you guys? So it, it's tough. We obviously have the, the biggest bill when it comes to getting our team on the road. It's tough to, to get teams down here. It's not easy. We've talked a lot about internally in this league about expansion, and we've really kind of sat at eight teams since I got here since we started seven years ago. So it's definitely a stressor. I won't lie to you. Um, but we're hoping that, you know, in the coming years, we're able to expand westward a bit and, and create more of a American association type scenario where there's natural geographical rivals. Um, we're just not there yet. Well, I, I do hope it continues to grow because I've never, I've never known anybody that's been out to a skaters game that didn't have a great time. And so I, one of the things that I think people just assume is that if you're a professional baseball player, you're a millionaire and a zillionaire. What are some of the struggles that indie ball players have, and what is their day-to-day life like when they're playing ball? I mean, it's it's all baseball all the time, and you know, in the Atlantic League, it's it's tough. It's not like affiliated ball. And granted, I've never worked in affiliated ball, but I've just heard players get paid better in affiliated ball. They have a major league club backing them. We don't. So our, our salary cap or, or the highest we can play, pay a player per month is three grand. You know, these guys at, at most, you know, over five months are making $15,000, but they are chasing the dream. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing is these guys work real hard for very little money to try and get back to affiliated ball. A lot of people are drawn to Sugarland um, just because, I mean, we're in a large market. I mean, obviously in Houston, um, so there's a lot of eyeballs here. We have very good relationships with scouts. We have scouts here, you know, all the time that are looking at these guys. So 
That's probably the biggest thing. I mean, you know, a lot of these guys don't even have their own places to live. You know, we do host families like a lot of minor league teams do. So they're really just away from home in somebody else's house, and they're just grinding baseball all the time. I mean, like literally all day, every day. At the end of a homestand, for example, you know, we'll play seven games straight here, and then four hours later they're getting on a bus heading to um, the Houston airport to get on a plane, you know, 5 a.m., get out to the East Coast, bus probably two hours to their destination, and then by the time, you know, they're there, it's 2 o'clock for a, a 6.05 game. So it's really a grind. Minor league baseball is a whole different animal for these players, but they love it, and they're chasing the dream, like I said. So what does it take to be a host family? So honestly, um, it's just kind of applying um, and saying, hey, you know, I'd really like to host a Skeeters player. Um, we try and match people up based on preferences on distance to the ballpark. Um, you know, some people say, yeah, I've got a game room they can live in. I've got their own bedroom. It, it's just people really opening their homes. Um, there's really not much to it. It's just them out of the goodness of their heart saying, yeah, I'll feed this guy. I'll... And people are very generous. I mean, we have a very generous community that really cares about what the Skeeters are doing and cares about our players. So that's probably one of the coolest parts of the um, job is getting to see these people that are really just out of the goodness of their hearts helping us out because they want to. And how cool is it to host a minor league baseball player for a summer? I mean, that's I would have loved that if my parents had done that as, when I was a kid. Like you said, you had 15 players go to the MLB. What is your struggle year to year not necessarily knowing who's going to be on your team like can you build a team that way or are you pretty much starting from scratch at the end of the season year to year we pretty much are starting from scratch I mean we have some guys that are coming back we've got um, Josh Prince actually he left us for a year he's coming back as our our pitching coach and he's gonna be a, a player coach a lot of these guys you know go off and they play winter ball and they're trying to get signed or get looked at you know we've got players that were on our team last year that want to come back, but they're waiting for that call. They're, you know, waiting for the Tigers to just give them a shout and invite them to spring training. So really every year, we we hope, honestly, that these guys don't come back um, because they are, you know, going off and getting better jobs and, and getting a chance to be affiliated with the major leagues. That is the ultimate goal. What about you? Where do you, where do you see yourself five years from now? I, I used to say, uh, even if you'd asked me a year ago, what is your your goal or even your career kind of mountaintop, and it was be a GM for a minor league baseball team, which just happened a couple months ago. I hope this is not (laughs) the end. So really, it's kind of evolving. I've been with the Skeeters for seven years now. It's going to be my eighth season coming up. Uh, I I love the community. I love the city that I live in now. I love the people. I love what we're doing. So I honestly don't see myself going anywhere else. You know, it's just been, been a great opportunity, I guess, for all involved. I mean, I just feel very blessed to be um, in such a good situation. You know, I got very lucky um, with the timing of everything, um, you know, even getting hired on from intern to full-time. So it, it's just been a, it's been a blessing overall. Well, one, of the th- one of the cool things about sort of minor league baseball and independent baseball is the giveaways and the promotions that you guys have. How do you come up with that stuff? And, and are there any, what, what sort of fun ones are coming up this year? And are there any that y'all did previously that you're just a big fan of? Uh, so I always, I always love Star Wars Night. I know that's like a go-to answer for everyone. So we're doing a May the 4th episode, and we will be talking all about Skeeter Star Wars Night. There you go. Cool. <laughs> uh, I don't actually uh, – when are we doing – we're doing Star Wars actually in August. We don't have uh, May 4th or 5th on the schedule this year, which is unfortunate. We always love doing Star Wars May 4th. Um, who doesn't? But um, – 
Yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the coolest parts is, you know, every year, probably, I don't know, a couple weeks after the season ends. And this is a funny, I guess, thing, because a lot of people don't understand that in a front office for any team, it's 24-7 all times of year. You know, just because baseball season's not in session, I get the question all the time, what do you all do? Like, what do you guys even do right now? Um, You know, as soon as the season ends, like, we won the championship, and the next week we're prepping for 2019. Um, That's how quick it is. Um, People don't seem to to get that, um, which is totally reasonable. We pretty much just sit in a room. We come up with, hey, what worked well last year? Do we want to continue this? Do we want to kill this? What do we want to do? And then separate ideas. So like this year, we're going to do a Game of Thrones night. That's something that we wanted to capitalize on. We'll probably be doing more theme nights that are kind of in the um, trending category. So, you know, like last year, Fortnite got big out of nowhere. Um, and there's right. going to be something, there's going to be something that pops up in April or May that doesn't even exist yet um, that we're going to try to capitalize on and do like in June or something like that. I guess the biggest ones, I mean, the, the goofy minor league baseball style ones, um, we're going to do that, that Game of Thrones night, like I said. Sure. Um, our bobblehead is going to be Pete um, in the Iron Throne. Oh, my God, um, I'm in. Uh, we're excited about that one. Um, and then we're going to do um, a Christmas in July theme this year. And I'm sure you remember from the Christmas story, we're going to do a bobblehead with Swatson getting his tongue stuck to the pole for the bobblehead. That's going to be a goofy one. Um, we love to do parrot head night. Um, so we'll do like Hawaiian themed jerseys for the team. Um, that's always a hit. We do a lot of cool nights too, like that are more um, not as goofy, like like minor league baseball. We do a, a strikeout autism event um, where we actually invite out. Um, there's about 200 families with children with autism, and we it's basically a parents parents timeout. Um, so they get to come out to the ballpark and take a break. Autism um, is a disease that parents. I mean, you're you're 24/7 into it. Um, and you've got a parent literally all the time, every time, no matter what. So we'd like to give them a day just to enjoy the game. We match every autistic child up with a buddy. Um, they get to play in the playground and do the splash pad and um, have a good time while giving their parents a break. What do you hope fans come away with as far as experience? The thing that I'd like to stress to people is, yeah, I mean, like we're indie ball, but it's like I said earlier, I mean, these guys – are, are fully capable of going and playing, um, you know, major league ball one day. I mean, it's, it's totally possible. Obviously there's some, there are outliers, right. Where we've got to fill a roster and we've got guys that belong in the indie leagues. I mean, it, it happens. Um, sure. but there are guys like a James Loney, if he comes in and his first month, he's crushing it, he's going to get signed. I mean, that's just how it is at the end of the day. If you don't know what the score was, you don't know if we won or lost, I want you to have a good time. Um, we're all about family entertainment there just happens to be a baseball game going on. Um, I'm a big baseball guy, so I fully care about – I live and die on every pitch. Um, but, you know, from a fan experience, I just want people to come out and have a good time, forget about the stressors of the day, um, drink a few beers, eat a hot dog, um, enjoy a nice night. I mean, that's that's really our goal is to create the the entertainment location or just relaxation station of Fort Bend County. That's really our goal. Well, I I think the fans are going to be excited for you guys to defend the title, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me, and uh, look forward to meeting you here in person at the ballpark. And now, on to close it out, the right-hander from Houston, Texas, James Christopher. So as we wrap it up, I have a couple of things to, a couple of loose ends to tie up. 
and one is with the Arlington Rangers. That's right, I don't refer to them as the Texas Rangers or the Arlington Rangers. So we went to see Globe Life Field for the last time, and honestly, you know, I, I get this feeling that when you go to a park for the last time, I have to imagine that there is some sort of nostalgic thing that happens, whether you're a fan of the of the team or not. Obviously, I'm an Astros fan. Do definitely remember feeling things about the Dome. But, you know, the ballpark at Arlington or Globe Life Field or whatever they're calling it, it's honestly kind of a dump and was misguided in the first place. I mean, who in Texas builds a stadium without a roof, particularly after retractable roofs were already a thing? And then they're surprised that 19 years later they're going to tear down a stadium and build a new one. So... Um, was a cool game, I guess. The Astros ended up losing 11-10, to but they were down 10-1 to at one point, so it was kind of crazy. But just generally speaking, underwhelming, except for the Fritos hot dog I had, which was kind of amazing. So, to put a bow on Globe Life Field, honestly, it's not really worth putting a bow on. We will go out to the new one um, with... One of them is Globe Life Park. The other one will be Globe Life Field. Sometimes these stadium naming things makes things really, really hard. But we will go to the new park next year. It's supposed to have a retractable roof. And now I look at it as an opportunity to see my Strohs 10 more times a year because I will not go in the summer. But we do have a team of the week and we do have a player of the week. So we're going to start with our player of the week, Seth Beer of the Fayetteville Woodpeckers. He was just named the Carolina League Player of the Week, which I think makes him the first woodpecker named to that honor. He hit 391 with nine hits, four doubles, and three bombs in the week. Besides having the most marketable name in baseball, Seth Beer, you can't ask for much more than that. And then our team of the week is the Albuquerque Isotopes, who this weekend took down the Tacoma Rainiers 23 23- to two. Now, I don't know what, what kind of combination of missed field goals you got to get to get to 23 to two. The only mistake, I guess, was giving up a safety. They also had 21 hits to the Rainier's eight. So congratulations, Isotopes. We are going to be back next week. And I'm really excited about it because, one, we'll have my report from the Tampa Tarpons and the Fort Myers Miracle. And we are efforting a special guest don't know if it'll happen, but that's what we're working on. And then we're going to be talking about Star Wars Night because it is the week of May the 4th. And we're going to be talking to both the Seattle Mariners affiliate, the Tacoma Rainiers, and the Oakland A's short season affiliate, the Vermont Lake Monsters. And we're going to be talking about their preparations for their Star Wars Nights coming up this season. So we hope you stick with us. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, and until next time, remember... Candlesticks make a nice gift. It's always good to look where they're registered. And let's get to. Sing me out to the ball. Sing me out with the crowd. Mommy, so made of some crowd. Let's